0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who is the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. David, I think what happened on Friday, it didn't startle me, but it sent a shot across the bowels of the bulls because suddenly, instead of the market bouncing back after a little bit of, of a wobble the day before, it actually embellished its sell-off and on Monday, today that is, uh, the market is bouncing back but not with the sort of vigor that one would have expected and one has become used to over the last 11 years.
1: No, you're right, look, Friday was expected and um, I I think the bounce back is pretty weak but I think market was kind of almost positioning itself for, uh, for some kind of setback. January was a little too strong. Uh, for everybody. I'm just looking at the futures now You know, up about a half a percent. So we're likely to, to bounce uh, off the bottom. But I'm not quite sure what momentum is actually going to take it from beyond here. You know, most of the big results are now out the way unless you believe that uh, unless the story of the uh, coronavirus just starts to fade, uh, which I think it's going to do. And uh, people believe that's a sign to get in. I don't see that, uh, Lindsay. I honestly just think we're in a, you know, one of these periods where it's going to take a bit of time to get people's confidence up and get into the market. Not that there's anything wrong. You know, there's, nothing, there's nothing really seriously wrong with markets at the moment. But I think, uh, I think it's just a bit tired and, and stretched, you know, stretched in a fatigue way.
0: Yeah, and when it comes to the, the the real business of what drives stock markets, of course, that's corporate earnings, and we've had some yes. good earnings out, and we've got yeah. Alphabet coming out tonight. But on the mm. other hand, you do have something that is an extraneous factor and something that corporates can't really control. Uh, but on the other hand, it's very, very impactful, and it's the coronavirus. I have my yes. own views on this thing. What are your views?
1: Yeah. Look, it's, uh, um, I was reading a report on Bloomberg which kind of – Almost um, identified or, or, or what's the word? Put it into context. Uh, there were 75 million people who uh, were struck down by flu in the United States, 10,000 of whom died. You know? And I would imagine those are older people who got a severe bout of uh, pneumonia and didn't survive it, you know, brought on by flu. And, and that gives you 10,000 deaths, which wouldn't be reported because that's probably the norm in a, in a flu season. So I think the worry, and this is the big thing, is the impact that the shutdown is going to have on the, uh, on, on the, on the Chinese economy. And we can't ignore that. This was a busy season. Uh, it's a time when everybody travels, when they spend. Uh, see families and, and so on. So from that point of view, there are going to be consequences. The government has come in and, and uh, reduced rates and inflated the economy by pumping liquidity, in which you have to do. Because if you're a little shopkeeper and, and you're getting no business, of course you're going to be under pressure and they don't want you to fold as a result of that. But, but we got, you know, we've seen it in Disney. We've seen it in all the companies like Estee Lauder, the uh, uh, luxury companies like LVMH, The travel companies, uh, shipping companies, you know, those, um, leisure companies and that. So they're under pressure and we're going to have to, we're going to have to kind of work our way through the consequences of that. We'll, we'll overcome it. But I think, Lindsay, it came at a time where I think people were tired. You know, that's a little bit exhausted and needed to take a breather and re kind of establish where they are and, and reassess where they are. So I'm not bearish, but I I think this can go on for a bit.
0: I think it can as well. And I think Mm. the point here is if the market was on its knees, let's say that there was a – coronavirus in 2008 when the, when the S&P was well below 1,000, in fact it was 666 mm. you wouldn't get the, the same impact as when the S&P is at the, at the elevated levels that no. it is uh, 3,300, yeah, yeah. 3,250 whatever, whatever. but have a look at this it's number just, now, I was watching a television program this afternoon Macau, which is a semi-autonomous Chinese yes. province okay. mm. it's, its population is 600,000 people Guess how many visitors
1: it has per year? Uh, It must be millions because this is where they come to gamble.
0: Exactly. It's the gambling capital of the world. It's much, much bigger than Las Vegas. Never mind Las Vegas. Macau is the place. 40 million people per year visit a a Mm. country Mm. or a territory Mm. that has Mm. a 600,000 population. In the last – actually, in January, the visitors were down 90%. Yeah. On the previous year, yeah, on the previous yeah. year, previous January. So what I'm saying is that uh, people, how does that not impact your income? How does that not impact yes. your economy? How no. does that not impact the Chinese
1: GDP? It's an extraordinary yes. number. It, it will. And that's what we're going to suffer the consequences. You know what's taken the biggest knock are commodity prices. Yes. Uh, the iron ore price. Uh, was holding pretty steady around about ninety four dollars a ton. I'm giving you the number I watched, so it just some people might watch other numbers. And was it was holding then and held there for quite some time. Uh, it's back at seventy seven or thereabouts now. So that's a big chunk of uh, iron ore. We've seen copper come down five or six percent, uh, and the same thing. There was there was a sell off in commodities in November. We recovered and we backed down again. And even the stimulus that they hope to introduce. Uh, hasn't really turned things around. So commodity prices are coming off, and that's where we as an export nation are feeling it because uh, it's going to hurt us. You know, I'm talking South Africa. is going to hurt the market, and it's been reflected in the miners. So don't – of course there are going to be consequences and, uh, you know, quite dire cons- consequences in the sense of um, what Starbucks, you know, closed a huge number of their stores. Uh, in China, people are not travelling and so on. So we're going to have to count that up and what it means for markets. Lindsay, just one thing. Yes. America's America's kind of immune from this. You know, its its external balances are pretty low. In other words, in terms of exports and imports, uh, it's pretty much an economy that functions by itself. But what so about it's Apple? Not
0: Apple production facilities, yep, for example. Yep, I mean, yep, we're talking yep, about companies yep. that are driving mm. the New York Stock Exchange mm. and every other exchange mm. and indices, mm. and they're having to close things down, and they're non-productive at the moment because people can't th- get to
1: work. I, but the consumption side won't, won't be affected too much. You know? so, so there are supply chain issues that will arise. So I, it, it'll hurt, but I don't think it's going to hurt to the extent – um you know the of, of maybe china so i'm not brushing it aside by no means mm. but i'm i'm merely saying that yeah these are temporary issues they will they will overcome you know they will be overcome but i think even against that i think that uh these kind of shocks sometimes you know sometimes just leave investors a little shaken and say okay let me let me, let me go back let me go on holiday let me go and, gather my strength, I'll come back later and reassess the situation. So while we're bouncing today and uh, S&P futures you know, might come up a half a percent of those lows that we saw, which will keep us positive for the year, strangely enough, in, in, in U.S. markets, I don't think uh, there's much uh, behind it. You know, There's much momentum or interest uh, to really get it up from beyond that. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I, don't, I don't get a feeling that everybody wants to rush in now And uh, you know, pick up the market.
0: Quite right. Let's talk about South Africa now because we had a piece of data which is a monthly event and it's the PMI, that's the Purchasing Manager's Mm. Index, and that's when people go around with a clipboard and say, excuse me, Mr. Manufacturer, what do you think about the future and how is how are your inventories and what's the business activity, what's your new sales orders, and it was awful. In January, South Africa's (laughs) Manufacturer... South Africa's (laughs) Manufacturer... It's a nervous laugh from David Shapiro there. South Africa's (laughs) Manufacturing Sector (laughs) continued to signal a deterioration in operating conditions. The PMI declined from 45.2 from 47.1 in December. Now, that means that it's yeah. below 50, which means it's contracting and continues yeah. to contract. Yeah. And it, we've had this contraction for
1: many, many months now. Yeah. It's a gauge of what lies ahead. And I, I think it's, uh, it's an indication of what we're feeling in this economy. The JSE feels very, very light. You know, it's it's um, under enormous kind of pressure and it's right across the board. There were, they're the odd shares that are holding up, which are mainly on the gold or platinum side, uh, which are safe havens in these difficult times. But, I mean, go beyond that. Um, it's beginning to hammer on our banks and you know, and hammer at our, our industrials. And, and I keep saying I think this is going to be a very difficult year for the JSE because companies that have held out for a couple of years are going to feel the pinch in the third year. They can't cut the bottom line anymore. No, they can't hold off the capex anymore. Yes. And I think all of this is going to hurt. So uh, while there are a lot of bottom pickers and people looking for cheap entry points, um, I'm not sure that this is the right time. You know, I still think we're going to see we, we're going to see worse. see there's no need to rush into our market. You know, there's nothing ahead. There's no big dramatic changes. That we see ahead in terms of economic growth, that uh, should compel you to, uh, you know, to look at this market. As, as harsh as it sounds, you know, I'm, I'm merely, I'm merely just looking at the fundamentals. You know, I'm not making a political statement. I'm saying it looks rough out there.
0: You don't have to apologise to me. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at a company now that. Oh, well, I'm hoping
1: people listen to this. <laughs> I hope people listen. Yeah.
0: There was a company that was uh, a stalwart of the JSE for, for for decades and has now come back to the exchange today. The name is Tonga Hewlett, Hewlett yeah. Limited. 489, the prevailing price as we pre-record this, 63%
1: weaker. Yeah, yeah. Well, the company's got no money. <laughs> it's got no profits. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's trading, at a, it's trading at a market cap of $650 million. Yes. I mean, and it's that's half is the what? size of Sassfam. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, um, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying to you? I know exactly what you're saying to me. Rolling fields of sugar in uh, Mozambique, in uh, Zimbabwe, you know, all over the place. I think Malawi. It's got factories. It's got uh, a headquarter with some beautiful paintings in it. It's, uh, and it's got a starch and glucose factory. And it's smaller than Sessman, you know, half the size of That gives you an idea of the value destruction that has taken place. By And it owns, you know, it owns rolling fields there that it's… Uh, but it can't in, in, sell them, of course. In, they can't sell them in, in uh, KZN, in Mflunga, you know, that whole area. And I mean, hell, it's, it's a tragic story. And I, I, um, there are a number of other companies. You know, we've seen the Brait issue. There was a very good editorial in the Business Day this morning about about the hubris of the uh, directors. You've had Tonga. We've had so many companies where, where uh, management have just destroyed value. I don't know, trying to pursue whatever. I don't know. Everybody who knows i don 't know how to explain it, but i can never, I can never forgive uh, managers who recklessly use shareholders money. You could do it what you want with your own money i don 't care you want to buy. Cryptocurrencies, you want to buy gold, platinum, whatever you want to do with it, you can hedge, you can buy hedge funds. But when you're responsible for other people's money, you have to act in their best interest. And I think some yeah. of the management that we've seen – you know, management has been acting in their own best interest, not in the interest of their shareholders or other stakeholders.
0: Mm, you sound quite passionate about that. I mean, you're uh, obviously a, a shareholder activist, uh, which mm. is incredibly important. But Tom Gott Hewlett, you say, has got a, 60, a 650 million rand market cap. What is the debt? It must be in the billions. The debt must be in the billions. <laughs> I,
1: I don't know what it. I haven't got the number in front of me and I don't want to embarrass myself by, by taking a guess at it, but it is, it is enormous. How they get the company back uh, on its feet can only be done with the help of uh, banks, who would be prepared to lend, uh, the the problem is with that. Uh, you know, when you owe money, um, you you know it's, it's you haven't got the um, you haven't got the comfort of equity, to, you know, equity money, which you don't really have to repay. Equity people take a risk. Banks want their money back, and that puts pressure on you. So how they ever get this out of the, out of the uh, trouble that it's in, I don't know. Um, so this is – and it's, it's, a, it's a tragic story because as long as I've been here – and today I celebrate my 48th year on the market. I was
0: going to say about that because I saw mm-hmm. – you- 48
1: years, yeah. I, I joined in 1972 and, you know – Well, tell me your I, history briefly. I mean, in 1972, Sorry.
0: you started on the J S E Securities Exchange mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. under the wing of your father, I imagine.
1: Well, under, I joined Max Pollock and Fremantle, yeah. Mm. And uh, I went to the floor. I was trading on the floor. I was running orders up and down. Yes. But I think through, through, throughout my time, you know, I've seen companies come and go. And as you mentioned, there's some royal companies that we had, and that one was, uh, you know, Tongot was always what you would call a blue-blooded, not only a blue chip, but a blue-blooded, uh, a very noble family, the Hewlett family, you know, yes. were, were, were involved uh, in Tongat Hewlett, sugar uh, sugar barons, whatever you want to call them, but a uh, very prominent family um, in case in, in in detail. And to see what's come of it now is just tragic. And it was all it was all ego. It was businessmen trying to keep up the expectations that the market expected, never admitting the truth. Things are tough. Whether that was for their own self enrichment, you know, in order to up their own uh, number one, their you know their own shares and keep the share prices up. But uh, you know, honesty is the best. And it's, it's I've seen more businessmen fail because of that where they wouldn't, you know, they didn't want to disclose the truth to shareholders. If they disclose the truth, people understand. Yes, you get marked down a little bit, but at least they understand where they are, and you don't get the complete collapse of uh, of a business.
0: Let's talk about something else. We've spoken about coronavirus, okay. and I, I believe that um, when I see figures um, on a Thursday or a Friday that ten thousand people have been infected, and then on a Monday mm. I see that seventeen thousand people have been infected, and the, the number of people die who have died goes from two fifty to three sixty. I think of my percentages, and I go into my little calculator, and I think, goodness me, this is multiplying. This is a, almost like a pandemic going on. But anyway, your last word on coronavirus before we get to I, Boris Johnson.
1: I think we're getting into a situation where it's now two weeks. So that uh, incubation period is, is is going to reveal uh, an increase in the number of cases. But I don't think it's reached the proportions or certainly the deathly proportions um, that that perhaps we were anticipating early on. You know, we haven't seen deaths in the United States. We've seen one death in the Philippines. And, and maybe it's a, it's, it's a very, you know, it's a virus that one has to keep an eye on. And I think it's going to be more. You know, this is not the end of that, particularly in a world where we travel a lot and, uh, we're exposed to, to, uh, you know, so many other societies and cultures. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's going to happen. But, um, I, I think this one may be credit to the Chinese for doing what they have done in trying to contain it. But, but, but Lindsay, again, last word, it's going to cost us. You know, there's going to be some hurt as a result of this economic hurt.
0: Yeah, indeed. The Dow Jones up about 130 points at the moment. The S&P up three quarters of a percent. Let's uh, go on to Boris Johnson now because he's given a speech. And now he's got his way. He's now sort of wielding his power, almost a Trump-like power. And he's talking about a hard Brexit, or rather his words are suggesting a hard Brexit. The pound has fallen 1.3%. This is also <laughs> oh, a dangerous yeah. situation. Oh,
1: no, totally, <laughs> Totally. I think the reality is going to hit... And it's all very well to make strong speeches, you know. Uh, um, I'm not sure that he's a Churchill and that he's going to get the crowds no. behind him, and to you know to gather that the same kind of spirit that, that Churchill did. But but this is going to be a lot tougher. You know, this is going to be a lot tougher than than the bravado that we're seeing at the moment. Um, um, I wouldn't go long of the pound. I wouldn't go long of the U.S. of the U.K. economy. Uh, uh, there are a couple of companies that I like there that, that, that might be worth holding on, like Royal Dutch Shell, even though they're having issues. But I promise you, it's very difficult to put a decent portfolio of UK companies together. So for choice, stay with the US or stay with Europe, even though Europe's also under a little bit of pressure at the moment.
0: It's got no growth. I mean, it's, it's, no. as, it's as simple as that. I mean, it's got absolutely no you know, growth, including Germany.
1: I always, I always call it. I call it a historical theme park. Yes, know, exactly. Uh, Europe. <laughs>
0: it's a tu- it, it, it is. It's a tourism hub. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, No, it's, it's, it's unfair. I mean, Germany is a, a, an economic dynamo, a manufacturing yeah. dynamo. And even when you look at Italy, Italy has got some incredible companies. Mm-hmm. I was speaking that to Germany's an Italian economist the other day. Four,
1: yeah. yeah. Germany is number four. Anyway, so Italy must come in six or seven, yeah.
0: Precisely. So it's doing quite well. Uh-huh. But on the other hand, you know, you go, to, you go to a European city, and as you say, it's like a theme park. People walking down the cobbled streets, going into a, a bistro or a piz- pizzeria or something. You think, oh, this
1: is very quaint. <laughs> <laughs> they have got dogs instead of children. Yeah. It's too much trouble to produce children. <laughs> Same as Japan, um, David. Yeah, so what, right?
0: just on that note, I know we're a little uh-huh. bit late today, So, you've got to get off somewhere else. But just put together your European, your international portfolio. I know you love Ferrari.
1: What else do you love? I love Ferrari. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a company still, uh, which is your part of the woods, called ASML. Still love that a lot. Mm -hmm. Great company. And you must, what you've got to do, Lindsay, you've got to read the transcript with the CEO after the results. You know, just pointing out what lies ahead, how exciting it is. Um, that's still good. I still, you know, Nestle, Allianz. Allianz is your part of. The, is, is Germany still a very good company with a very higher yield, hmm. uh, a dividend yield of over four percent? And, and listen, you've got the luxury good company. Do not write them off? Um, still doing pretty well there. Um, I'm try, I'm trying to Ferrari. I like so you go for this um, in 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 Holland. You've got uh, ASML. What's the other Dutch company? Royal Dutch Shell. Hey, yes. Yeah, they had bad results, bad results. They're cutting back on their dividends. We know that, but they'll soon recover. Um, medical companies, uh, Medtronic, you know, I still like the, the whole medical theme. That's a Irish-based company that's actually in um, – uh, it, it's still listed in the U.S. What else? You know, Novartis coming back, huh? Eh? It's, it's, it's had a rough time, but we started to see some of the pharmaceutical companies pick up again. Uh this is besides all the uh you know, I'm still a big um fan of, of uh, Alphabet and Amazon and uh Facebook and those companies. Visa Visa was hurt a little um on Friday after its results. But I mean when you look at the absolute numbers it produces, great. And Microsoft. So but ASML, I'm just saying if you've got just a few minutes, read their transcript. And why why I'm saying read their transcript? Because it points to the demand for semiconductors. And if semiconductors are in demand, it means equipment's in demand. And, uh, you know, you take the whole supply chain right down to the end user. It gives you an idea what lies ahead in, in, in technology.
0: What about Diageo? I saw an interview with the CEO. I'm trying to get him onto, onto the show. Diageo, have sure. you seen their drinks brand Portfolio, it is quite extraordinary. And you think to yourself, when was the last time you didn't have something to do with Diageo? It's an extraordinary company. Would you put
1: Diageo in there? I've got Diageo. Yeah, oh, good. (laughs) It's a great company. They're up about 3% today. You know that?
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. They got, I think they got Johnny Walker, they got Schmirnoff. What else they got? They got some good breath. We need people to drink a little bit more whiskey. Yeah. I think I think the Indians have been letting us down a bit. So they haven't been doing as much as they should.
0: Well, Dr. Shapiro has his medical… <laughs> you know, I got
1: into trouble before, before I got into trouble us, cynically saying, you know, we got need people to smoke and drink more. And I got a lady from uh, Cape Town who's, no. uh, who, who's in one of these places where they treat, you know, the cancer cases. And, oh, she yes. gave me a blast and I, oh, Quite I said, right it, you know… To quite right. So I had to, I had to withdraw my remarks, and I withdraw them now. I'm just just having fun.
0: <laughs> I'm just having Don't a look drink. now at the website. I mean, <laughs> own Guinness first of all. I mean, if you want to have a breakfast beer and drink more, then the whiskies you've got. it's an
1: extraordinary no. business. Yeah, yeah. And and I think what's happening is, is that you're getting younger people. They're not. You know, drinking responsibly, I don't think these are the irresponsible drinks, but there is. it's becoming uh, accepted, you know, to have a whiskey or to mix it and, and it. and credit to the companies as well because they're making it more popular in the way that they market it. So, yeah, it's a good business. You, I prefer it to the beers. Hey? I prefer it to the beer companies. Mm. I prefer Diageo. Yeah. Good. I would rather have this than ABM Bev or, or Carlsberg or any of the others, Heineken, etc. I prefer Diageo. Yeah.
0: Johnny Walker, Crown Royal, Buchanan's, Windsor, Don Julio, the Tequila mm. Smirnoff, of course, uh, Kettle One, which is a Dutch uh, vodka company, uh, Captain Morgan, Bailey's, Tanqueray, Guinness, and the list goes on. It, mm. uh, it's almost a monopoly. Let's go from the uh, sublime to the ridiculous. I watched a football match yesterday between Burnley yeah. and Arsenal. It was nil-nil. I don't think yeah. I've ever been more depressed in my life. At the poor quality of soccer. The poor quality. The just. Oh, it was no. like a kickabout on a Sunday oh, no. morning down oh, the local no. park. Oh, no. It oh, was no. pathetic.
1: That's what's happened to British soccer in the mid. It's, it's, it is rather tragic. I think that if you watch Man City and Spurs as well, I, you know, to me, um, there were some moments, but uh, no finish and no brilliance to actually... You know, talk about, I, I, just, I was very disappointed in the game um, I think a lot of the players just from Aguero to De Bruyne uh, very good but just couldn't produce the magic and when you look at Liverpool that's the only team that can actually wow. uh, take a long ball and convert it they, 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 they attack with speed, we're not seeing that in Man City anymore and, and for Spurs to be honest, I know they won the game but uh, there wasn't really anything there I don't know. I don't know how you saw it, but uh, halfway through, I decided to read the Financial Times, and that's got to be really epitomised. Can you imagine watching Spurs and Man City and picking up the Financial Times? I mean, hell.
0: <laughs> no, it is. I mean, Liverpool are 22 points clear, and there's a reason why they're 22 points clear because the rest is rubbish. Manchester City apparently over the over the summer is going to clear out all its players. I mean, Aguero is brilliant, but, so. he's, but he's too old. And De Bruyne, mm. he's also got to go. And if Pep stays, then he's going to be given two, three hundred million to rebuild the team.
1: And Ryan Sterling, I don't know. He's sooner. You know, I, I, everybody um, gets really, I'm not upset. They, they're very uh, upbeat about him and I you know, think he's a brilliant player. I just watch him I just watch and say, OK, now do something. I don't know. To me, he's way, way over. He's fast, but uh, he's certainly not a Messi or any of those uh, Barcelona players who are just brilliant on the ball and that. You know, he runs fast, etc. But hell, they should have put this in the bag and missing a penalty (laughs) anyway. Yeah, not going to say anything. But I, I, I I just find that uh, sitting through a match is very difficult these days. Yeah, I I sat through Barcelona versus um, Levante last night.
0: Uh, But uh, but they—they've got this young chap. He debuted when he was 16. His name is Ansu Fati. He's from Mm. Guinea-Bissau, but now he's become a Spanish national. And he and Messi combined beautifully for two goals. He's 17 years old and he's scoring on this stage. He's a genius. We don't have that in Britain. We don't have that in the English league. There's no one coming through the ranks that are really as brilliant as that. No. Anyway, David, no, it's sad.
1: Mm. And, and Liverpool just beat everybody. Credit to them. I'm, I'm credit to so you when you watch them. You say turn all up, okay, turn off. Nothing else is going to happen. Mm.
0: <laughs> David Shapiro is the deputy chairman. <laughs> oh, just before you go, just give yourself a mm-hmm. pat on the back because you've had some milestones today, which you have put out on Twitter. What's happened? You've been where for how long, etc. No, for-
1: I, I, I've been at Tesco for 15 years, but yeah. I've been on the market 48. It would have, unfortunately, it broke my. You know, I would have been at the one firm for 48 years, but uh, when Sockgen pulled out the country in 2002, you know, that was uh, – the, the firm has taken a kind of uh, meandering route. Uh, that caused me to break service, and uh, I rejoined like two and a half years later yeah. after small stints somewhere. But that's because of circumstance. So um, basically, I've spent almost, you know, 46 years at this place.
0: 48 years in the market, uh, which is probably makes you the I'm most experienced to make person it. in the JSE. <laughs> yeah, I wonder you'll probably get a proper job. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> David Shapiro, thank
0: you very much for your time. Uh-huh. At the moment, anyway, you're the deputy chairman of Sars Securities in Johannesburg, and that was Shapiro World. Uh-huh. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors, and do not reflect the policy position